This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sallerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, as I always do on this Tuesday. Hope it finds you well. We're ready for week two of the NFL season, moving on from the tough loss against the Oakland Raiders in week one. Now the Saints focus on the New York Giants, who they'll play on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. We'll have a full preview leading up all the way to the game on Sunday, but today we'll focus a little bit on fantasy football. Hope your fantasy football team did okay. Mine went 2-0, and so I'm pretty happy about that. Big thanks to Brandon Cooks for contributing to that. I know a lot of you probably had your breeze. At least I hope you did. He had four touchdowns on Sunday afternoon, and I'm sure he helped a lot of you guys win or maybe helped you lose if you're facing him in fantasy this week. And, of course, as always, we'll have Jake Seeley on from RotoExperts.com, part of our fantasy focus presented by Campbell Soup. He'll kind of give you some advice on who to pick up, maybe who to stay away from, who had breakout games, all the above, and also we'll have some Saints talk for you. Yeah, I would think that Drew Brees could easily put up 300 yards and three touchdowns against that defense, as much as the improvements are made. When you go down the line of Cook, Snead, Thomas, and then you add in the fact that Ingram at the backfield is cleaner at tight end, there's just too much there for the Giants to defend. As I also mentioned, Brandon Cooks had a big day, including that 98-yard touchdown reception from Drew Brees, the longest play in franchise history. Sean Kelly caught up with Brandon Cooks in the locker room yesterday just to focus on that big play, a record that he didn't know he broke until after the game. You know, I didn't know it until until really after the game, but uh, I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of it, uh, you know, and and I uh, thank God for it, and it's pretty cool to happen on a, you know, I, I feel like it was 50 years ago since that happened, and now it's the 50th anniversary, so that's a blessing. So lots of good stuff on this Tuesday. We'll focus on the Saints and we'll focus on fantasy football. Two Monday night football games last night. Both were, eh, they were all right. Pittsburgh Steelers putting on a show in our nation's capital, beating the Redskins 38-16. to Antonio Brown, two touchdowns. The Angela Williams, a big night. Big Ben. As usual, big night. The Redskins' offense, eh, didn't look so good. But the Pittsburgh Steelers improved to 1-0. Redskins dropped to 0-1. And And then, uh, I don't know if you stayed. I'm an old man, so I did not stay up for game number two between the Rams and the 49ers. You probably didn't miss too much as the 49ers beat the Rams 28-0. Carlos Hyde with two touchdowns. Blaine Gabbert looking all right. The Rams not looking good. Case Keenan with two interceptions. Obviously, no touchdowns. Todd Gurley less than 50 yards rushing. You had an ejection from one of your big guys, Aaron Donald, late in the fourth quarter. And your number one pick is your third-string quarterback in in sweatpants. So the Rams have a lot going on, and we'll have to try to fix a lot of things before they suit up for week number two. So week one is in the books. It was a pretty crazy week one, I would say, with a lot of games coming down to the wire. I think Sean mentioned on Monday how so many games came down to maybe the final possession or within a touchdown. Hopefully we have the same next week and hopefully we're talking about a Saints win next Monday alright so as I mentioned we have Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com we also have Brandon Cooks talking about his big play and big game on Sunday we'll have those for you next we'll start with Mr. Cooks stay with us this is the Black and Blue Report
We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. The Pelican schedule has just been released, and 12-game plans are now on sale. 12-game packages, including the contender and weekend plans, are your tickets to see NBA All-Star Anthony Davis and your Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including LeBron James, Steph Curry, and more. Take in a couple of Pelicans games a month throughout the season for as low as $17 per game. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and score your seats today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Randy, you made history on Sunday. <laughs> Not many guys get to say a history-making moment like that. Uh, you know, I didn't know it until, until really after the game, but uh, I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of it, uh, you know, and I and, uh, thank God for it, and it's pretty cool to happen on the, you know, I, I feel like it was 50 years ago since that happened, and now it's the 50th anniversary, so that's a blessing. Who told you? How'd you find out? Uh, one of the one uh, after the game, someone had said something. I forgot who it was, and then uh, I heard it, but I didn't pay no mind to it. And then once I had, I was interviewed, uh, they said, "Did you know you made history?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And, uh, and so they, they they talked about the play. All right, let's get the oral history of the play then. Take me from huddle to end zone, and walk me through it with your own words. Well, I can't. I mean, that's one of those things. Hey, y'all the can, play call, everything. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, it was just one of those moments that we was on the same page, and we walked out the huddle, and I gave, uh, he gave me that look, and I gave him that look back. And, you know, I just had to make him right. I think you pulled that off in like 11 seconds. So he had to hit you in like the perfect stride, didn't he? He, he did. He did. And I, it was one of those things, since he knew, Probably he was coming to me. Uh, he, he let that ball go, and, uh, you know, it was perfect. All I had to do was just run up under it. What was your first move off the line of scrimmage? I just, <laughs> I just went. I just yeah. went. I just went and treated it as if it was a track meet. <laughs> there was no slouch at defensive back that you went up against. He's a big dude, too. He's, he's big. He is. And he's a great player, and uh, I respect him, and I loved the battle yesterday. And uh, he will continue to be good and um, see him in the near future. The um – the moment you knew you were home free, when was that? When I when the ball was in the air, when the ball was in the air, you know I knew it was a perfect pass, and I didn't really have to break stride. So in that in that situation, I knew if I didn't have to break stride, uh, I got a pretty good chance. Describe for me the sounds that you heard as the play was uh, developing. It was almost like you was in a tunnel and like you were in a train station. You just heard the crowd. Uh, blow up and uh, it was pretty cool to be able to hear that but it was more I was in my zone and didn't hear too much more too much of it um, I was just so focused on getting into the end zone 
If I'm not mistaken, that was on the Saints bench side of the field too, wasn't it? So I saw my I saw my teammates for sure and coaches. Uh, uh, so that was pretty. That was, that was fun. How do you not laugh all the way down the sideline like that? Because you're so focused, you're not worrying about laughing. You want to make sure you score before you, you do anything. You know, they've got those big new uh, video boards in the dome. Did you take a peek? Could I you did. see yourself? I did take a peek at first uh, just to see where everybody was at. Um, and then after that, I put my head down and just ran. The uh, the yell you let out after you scored, it seemed like you, you, you just let everything that was left in your body after 98 yards out vocally like yeah that. no I was in, it was as if I was in the jungle roaring with the lions you know <laughs> what did Drew say to you after the play when you all got back to the sideline he, you know Drew so poised uh you know it was just like great job you know uh you know way to make a play and in, in reality it was him that made the throw so what's the next piece of history you'd like to add to uh the ledger to just win that's all I'll care about is just to win Sean and Brandon, thank you very much. Up next, we'll talk fantasy football with Jake Seeley. Stay with us. Hey, fans, on Saturday, October 1st, cheer on your Pelicans as they play their first preseason game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks at the Century League Center in Bossier City. Ticket prices start at just $15 and can be purchased from the Century Link Center box office, www.ticketmaster.com, by phone at 800-745-3000 or at any authorized Ticketmaster outlet. For more, be sure to visit shreveport bosierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. As we mentioned, week one is in the books, but now we turn our attention to week two, especially with your fantasy football team. Joining me now, as always, on Tuesday is Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Campbell Soup. Jake, hope this Tuesday finds you well, my friend. Mostly. Uh, I think I lost like one or two leagues. That, that, that might have been the only two leagues where like, I didn't own Drew Brees. I think that's what it came down to. So you only lost two leagues out of 14 or 15, though, that you have. So I'd say that's pretty 14, good. 14, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't add a late last one. I, that, I kept it at 14, fortunately. Of course you did. <laughs> All right, Jake. Well, let's talk through week one. You know, it's hard to tell, you know, gauging fantasy football and some players how they're going to do. For you, what was the biggest surprise of week one in your eyes? 
Uh, it was kind of like a dual option. Well, one is just overall the tight end position, just how bad it was. That was surprising. It's just a lot of disappointments across the field from some big names. But specifically players-wise, I would have to say it's the Lions and their use to the running backs. And this is Theo Riddick here mainly that I want to focus on for the fact that he was somebody that you pretty much ignored in standard leagues. He was a nice PPR option, somewhat undervalued in PPR leagues because people don't realize, you know, he's still got RB2 value in PPR, but it's the fact that, eh, well, I don't want to buy into it because it's really going to happen every single week. Is he really going to catch 80 passes again? Is he really going to see 100 targets? But that week one, not only him, but Abdullah looked great. It looked like they're going to be just as good as they were last year under Jim Bob Cooter. Basically, since he took over, this team's been completely different. Matthew Stafford's actually been a top-five fantasy quarterback since Cooter took over that offense. So I'm looking at the fact that Theo Riddick could actually have some value in standard leagues. You'll probably still get a game or two where you only get two or three points, but that happens with a lot of running backs for the fact of what he brings to that offense. I like what they did with him, and I think that's a nice area to see some upside. for. So, like I said, in standard leagues where people might not be thinking of Theo Riddick as somebody you can trust every single week. Did you mention them just so you can say Jim Bob Cooter? Uh, I think my goal is to at least say Jim Bob Cooter six times a week. And so that, that, that gets me to three since I just said it again. So I'm halfway there. I think we should have it in every show. We should mention Jim Bob Cooter. I think that's a goal of ours, too. <laughs> I'm good with that. All right. Let's uh, move on. Uh, breakout player. I know sometimes you see a player that may not have expected to have big fantasy numbers. Which breakout player that you notice may have a good chance of putting up fantasy numbers in the future? Uh, there's two wide receivers. Uh, look at Tajay Sharp and Will Fuller. Uh, Tajay Sharp's a little bit surprising to me. I talk about a surprise, too. Is I'm surprised Rashard Matthews didn't get more love from this team. The Tennessee went out and signed him real early. They brought him in to be their number one, and then he shares the same snap count almost, almost exactly. I think it was off by one with Harry Douglas and Andre Johnson, and Tajay Sharp was on the field for a lot more than all three of them, and it's clearly their number one option. And I think that it was surprising for the fact that I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting Rashard Matthews and Tajay Sharp to both be their top options. But Sharp looks like somebody that they have a lot of trust in. Marcus Mariota has shown early rapport with. Somebody that I would trust going forward for certain is probably even a wide receiver three. And the same thing goes for Will Fuller. I'm still not the biggest fan of his hands. He did have 11 targets, only five catches, and we saw the concerns that come with his hands. But at the same time, once he can get the ball in his hands, he has big playability every single time, whether it's down the field before he catches the ball or after, as we saw in the one play. And both these guys are looking at ones that – you know, maybe you lost Keenan Allen. These are the guys that you need to be looking for. These are the top two easily that could probably just step right in and be your third wide receiver. You had guys like Russell Wilson and Adrian Peterson not put up very good fantasy numbers. Um, are they guys that you should be concerned about after week one? If not, which players should you be concerned about? I'm not too concerned about Russell Wilson. I'm not concerned about most of the veterans of the guys that we know. There's a little bit of a concern with Adrian Peterson for the fact that this guy actually goes back to the end of last year where the yards per carry wasn't terrific. Teams do stack the box against him. That's a little bit of an overrated term because if it was that easy, every NFL team, Adrian Peterson wouldn't have a career to this point if it was that easy. Right. Uh, that being said, under four yards per carry the last couple of weeks and then started off this way, just makes you have a little bit of doubt. I think Sam Bradford, I want to see how he runs this office before I worry too much. Uh, but the only one that I, I would say that I'm really worried about is Tyrod Taylor because if Sammy Watkins isn't playing, uh, that really hurts that offense. Basically, he's their main threat to begin with, and Taylor has some troubles in that first week, as we saw. So if he was your quarterback and you were looking for a breakout year, no Sammy Watkins is really going to put a dampen on that. And then within the division, Devontae Freeman. And a, a lot of people, including myself, warn people about Devontae Freeman in the offseason because that Atlanta Falcons team drafted Tevin Coleman high and we're big fans of him with that front office. 
I wasn't expecting to the mix to come out week one and be 50-50 as it was. I mean, obviously neither one of them had a lot going, but for the team to do that and to come out and already say that they're probably going to stick with a hot hand approach for week two, spending the, everybody drafted Devontae Freeman as an RB1, and now you drafted him as such, and it's not looking like you're going to get a return value. All right, for those that uh, like to freak out after week one, I follow you on Twitter, and I notice some people start to do that already. How do you balance overreacting after week one? It is one week, and you know you talked about players that you're concerned about, some guys that have had um, good week ones. How do you try to find that balance of whether you're dropping someone or picking up someone? Uh, what's your advice for those that are in that situation right now? Yeah, don't be the one that tweeted me asking if you dropped Michael Floyd for uh, who was it? Uh, it was Jeremy Curley. Like, yep. don't be that guy. Like, this is just nonsense. Uh, there is a balance here. There, like, you can take things away from week one, but most of them are usage situations, like the Tajay Sharp situation and Rashard Matthews. So obviously, you should be concerned about Rashard Matthews. Still, wait a week. You don't cut people like that. Or, you know, trade them low because that's the big thing, too, is people say, well, then who should I trade them for? Nobody, because you're not going to get proper value from them. You know, granted, it's not going to get any better if the same thing happens again, but it's not going to get much worse. People have already depressed their value of what they would want to offer. On the same time, uh, on, the, on the flip side of it, these guys that broke out and had huge weeks look at the situations. Was it because they were on the field for 80% of the snaps? And now you can say, okay like Tajay Sharp, like Will Fuller. These are guys that are the number twos and number ones on their offense. i got to take this into account and say, all right, this is a potential breakout here. Or if you look at other teams with like matchup situations, then you just got to say, okay, it was a bad matchup. There's things will get better. Uh, TJ Yeldon is something that you could take away from. And, yeah, he had a good game, but I would actually be a little bit concerned because his yards per carry were terrible, even though he had all those touches without Chris Ivory. So there's situations that that's what really the factor comes in is it's not overreacting if you actually dig into the reasons behind the performances. We're talking with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Campbell Soup. Jake, since it is Tuesday, it's time to already think about the waiver wire. You mentioned the tight ends being disappointing. Is there anyone, uh, as far as a tight end, worth picking up in the waiver wire? And give me some other guys worth picking up. Yeah, there's actually – the running back is the thinnest position because uh, running backs are always usually somebody got hurt, and everybody made it through week one pretty okay. But wide receiver and tight end, you definitely have options. Over on Roto Experts, I talked about that plenty. Uh, Eric Ebron is the top pickup if he's actually still sitting out in your league. A lot of people have been waiting on a breakout for him because he's a matchup problem, and it looks like he's really started to work on catching the ball. He made two really good catches, which is surprising to see. But maybe if he's not on Kyle Rudolph, uh, Kyle Rudolph, we've – the thing with him is that every single year is, oh, this is the year that Kyle Rudolph is going to break out, and then he has a down year. It's like, okay, he'll be, he'll be better next year. And then he got hurt. And then it's like, all right, well, he'll bounce back. because. It, so I think that people just kind of got tired of waiting on it. And now if you look at him, he's actually a very solid, consistent player. And Sam Bradford could come in, as I mentioned before, throws more touchdowns than Teddy Bridgewater. This could be the year where it doesn't necessarily break out. But if you're looking at a situation where you need tight end help, He's definitely the one. Uh, obviously, to go to the wide receiver, my top two options, again, would be Tajay Sharp and Will Fuller. But to go di- deeper there, Eli Rogers and Mohamed Sanu. Eli Rogers, as we saw last night, even with Wheaton coming back, is going to have plenty of value in the spot for that team. And then I look at Sanu, and I think he just got overlooked in the offseason. I know a lot of people didn't draft him in leagues. I don't understand it. That team needs a number two with no more Roddy White. And I actually think he's the better complement for Julio Jones than Roddy White was towards the end of his career. And we saw it. If you're going to double and triple team Julio Jones, Matt Ryan's going to take what you give him. And he showed a real good connection with Sanu right out of the gate for that week one game. I think I actually I would probably pick up Sanu before I would pick up Eli Rogers. Good advice there. That's for sure. All right. A couple more questions, Jake. Let's talk about 
The Saints offense put up big fantasy numbers in week one against the Raiders. Drew Brees, a very nice day. Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed as well. Um, you face a tough Giants team in week two. Um, can you expect big fantasy numbers from some of those guys in week two as well? I'd be surprised if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they made a lot of offensive or defensive moves in the offseason. They picked up two defensive linemen. will actually return one. And they, well, yeah, they picked up two, and then they got Jason Pierre-Paul to resign. So you got Harrison there. You got Vernon there. They made their moves in the secondary as well. But the one area where they really haven't improved that much is the linebackers. And as we saw last week, uh, Jason Witten and Cole Beasley pretty much tore them apart and not to the great shakes and fancy perspective, but that was the only reason Dallas was in the game. So I'm looking at this type of team and to what the fact that Dallas was able to stay in and put up yards in that game with a rookie quarterback making his first start, who was a late round pick, not somebody that's supposed to come in from day one and be excellent. Des Bryant and a few other options in that offense. So you have Ezekiel Elliott. You got a team where you can go four or five deep with weapons like the Saints do. And again, I would be surprised if it's a quiet day. I would think that Drew Brees could easily put up 300 yards and three touchdowns against that defense, as much as the improvements are made. When you go down the line of Cook, Snead, Thomas, and then you add in the fact that Ingram in the backfield is cleaner at tight end, there's just too much there for the Giants to defend. I'd be surprised. That's really what it comes down. I'd be surprised at both sides of the ball. Honestly, I'd be surprised if this game is at 30s for both teams. Um, you mentioned Kobe Fleener. You mentioned Jason Witten um, having um, some good success against the Giants linebackers in week one. One, are there any concerns about Fleener's lack of touches in week one? And also, is he a better option this week against the Giants? Yeah, you have to have a little bit of a concern because really when it comes down to it, if you have Drew Brees throwing for over 400 yards and you only have one catch for six yards, that, that has to be a little bit concerning. At the same time, maybe they just didn't need him. But the, the thing that I talked about, too, and I think we talked about this last week. I don't know correctly if I'm wrong, but I said that Michael Thomas does a lot of his work with his precise routes over the middle of the field, mm-hmm. and that's why I wasn't as excited for Fleener. I was still tight end one, but not necessarily in the top five for tight ends like a lot of people wanted to say because of where Michael Thomas succeeds. I still think there's hope for Kobe Fleener. You don't drop Kobe Fleener in this offense. You wait at least another week, especially in a matchup where they struggle to cover the tight end. There's no doubt about it. As you said, the Jason Witten part I was talking about, Jason Witten does a ton of damage against the Giants all the time, and it's because he's a really good tight end, and they still ignore the linebacker position year after year. So Kobe Fleener has his opportunity this week. If he comes out of this game with one or two catches and only 10, 15 yards, I'll be a little bit more concerned. But after one week and with the matchup on tap, uh, I would still rank him as a tight end one this week. Let's put it that way. Good stuff there, as always, from Jake Seeley, part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Campbell Soup. You can catch him on RotoExperts.com and also every week on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints mobile app. Jake, appreciate it as always, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. All right, when we come back, I'll wrap things up. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. 
Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. All right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B. Big thanks to Brandon Cooks and Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Make sure you uh, start setting your fantasy lineup for this week, and we'll have Jake on every Tuesday throughout the season. And uh, maybe we'll start having some fan interaction. So if you have any questions for Jake, one, you can ask him on Twitter. I know I'm kind of promoting him there. But uh, maybe we'll, you can tweet us, and then we'll have a fan question every Tuesday as well. Do you see the NFL Color Rush uniforms are out for this year? Some are pretty cool, and some are, uh, I would say, interesting. The Saints one's out. It's an all-white uniform, which I really like with, I believe, gold numbers. I think some gold stripes on the sleeves. And now it's available uh, on NewOrleansSaints.com. I believe Drew Brees is the only jersey available. I'm not sure about that. I'll have to double-check. But uh, feel free to go on to NewOrleansSaints.com and buy the Color Rush jersey. The Saints will wear it on Thursday night football against the Carolina Panthers later on this season. So every team has one now. I believe only eight teams had one last year. The only teams that won't wear theirs are home teams on Thanksgiving and then also some teams that clash um, with the other team. I remember some teams last year, I believe it was the Jets and the Bills. Bills had the red uniform and the Jets had their green uniform, which one looked like Christmas, but two, for those who are colorblind, were not able to see either team uh, when watching it. So the NFL was trying to do a better job of making sure one team was wearing at least white or some light color, and then one team would have a dark color. So, for instance, Falcons play the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football this year. Both have red uniforms for their color rush, so the Falcons will wear white um, when they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they're very cool. Um, you have the Seahawks that wear a basically a glow-in-the-dark green. I think the Ravens are in all purple. The Panthers are in all blue when they take on the Saints but I really do like the Saints uniforms. I hope they incorporate those for many years to come, maybe wear them more than just once on Thursday Night Football. But make sure you look out for those on NewOrleansSaints.com. Also, on the Pelican side, happy birthday, Sheck Diallo. He turns 20 today, hard to believe. Just a 20-year-old. Enjoy it, and we look forward to the season getting going. Next Friday is media day, so we're about 10 days away from that. Can't believe the NBA season is here. On tomorrow's show, Sean Kelly back in the hosting chair. We'll talk with Kenny Albert, who will call the game on Fox uh, Saints and Giants on Sunday. If you remember, he was on the call along with Daryl Johnston and Laura Oakman last year uh, for the Saints and Giants wild game here in the Superdome where the Saints won 52-49. to I'm sure they're hoping for another wild one like that. I know the Saints would probably not like to let up 49 points again. But we'll have Kenny Albert on to talk about Giants and Saints, and we'll add some Pelicans. We're hoping to have Tim Frazier on tomorrow's show as well and then on thursday hoping to have christian garrick from wwl to preview the game and anita marks talking about the giants as we get ready for giants and saints on sunday as well all right hope you have a great rest of your tuesday and until tomorrow i'm daniel salerson thanks for listening to the podcast for saints and pelicans fans the black and blue report thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report presented by abc insurance agencies a better choice for insurance if all goes well we'll be back tomorrow 
Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.